Hello, this is Deniek. You're listening to my podcast, and this is the second part of the episode in which I take a look at the expressions which occurred on the edition called Beer Session with Two Hungarians and Two English. Or actually, it was with two English and two Hungarians. But the order doesn't really matter here. It's not important. Uh, what is important is that I want to have a look at some words, vocabulary, items of vocabulary, idioms, or some maybe sayings. This is the second part, because in the last episode I tried to do this in one go, but it didn't actually go according to plan. And uh, this this wasn't for the first time in my podcast, so I used this expression that I stepped in the same river twice, which means... Um, I did the same thing twice, which is not something that usually happens. I checked this expression and it is used in English language as well, not only in Czech language. So this was not the first time in history of this podcast this has happened. So I decided to split it in two halves. And this is the second half in which I hopefully managed to finish the remaining items of vocabulary. In the last episode, I decided to set myself a deadline, it's kind of a deadly deadline to be honest, because I said that I would publish this episode by the middle of this week, which is a kind of a killer deadline. Right now, this is the last possible time when I can actually record it. It's one o'clock in the afternoon and I have got about 80 minutes to do it. It's kind of stressful for me. Uh, you know, when you're stressed and under a lot of pressure, it's not really good, especially for my podcast, because I need to sometimes re-record what I what I record, you know, I need to edit out certain things, and it takes time, so when you see the end product, uh, maybe 40 minutes of a podcast, there is actually much work behind this, it's not just the 40 minutes, yeah, listeners, it's much, much more, including the uploading, writing descriptions of each episode, and, and so on. Sometimes I say, uh, uh, or uh, and when I say, uh, uh, I have to edit it out. Sometimes it's okay, but if it's too much, I have to edit it out. I have to cut it out. Uh, yeah, that's it. Something like this mustn't happen on my podcast. And um, in the last episode, you also found out that I actually stutter. So if I stutter now, I need to do my best to... Notice if I stutter, so it's another kind of responsibility. And there is so much on my shoulders at the moment, it might actually not be a good idea to be under pressure of having just little bit of time to record this. But sometimes, on the other hand, when you are under pressure, it brings you great results. How else would you explain uh, that you pass some difficult exams, like state exams at universities, you know. I have taken some of these exams. I was always stressed. Um, I was sweating and everything. But um, I always passed it. Which means, sometimes maybe if you are stressed, actually you manage to produce, by some miracle, you manage to produce amazing achievements, amazing results, amazing performance. I don't know. About this, we will have to see what happens in this episode, basically. I can't really predict if I will be able to deal with this appropriately. We will see. Uh, I just want to tell you a reminder. My podcast is called Zdenek's English Podcast. 
and it is inspired by Luke's English podcast. I just have to keep repeating this in case you forget because some of you sent me messages praising me for my podcast, for a great idea of a podcast, but it's actually not my idea. It's Luke's idea from Luke's English podcast, an English teacher who has a podcast of English language and uh, this is one this is probably by far well the word probably was used there by mistake this is by far the best podcast on the internet that's why i decided to do something like this even though i'm aware of the fact that copying somebody is not really nice doesn't really say best things about your creativity but i asked luke if i can do this he gave me permission to do so so here it is this is my podcast and um, i have already recorded over 30 episodes actually this is the 34th episode if i'm not mistaken um, in the last episode i played you this sound and i asked you a question i wanted this to be sort of a competition so i asked you what that sound was and it was a sound of a phone box from Doctor Who, the phone box that we commonly call TARDIS, the one that is always small on the outside and bigger on the inside, the one that comes from the TV series Doctor Who, of course, and the one that serves the Doctor as a time machine. So I'm glad that most of you managed to answer the question correctly, and for those of you who didn't, don't be sad, because there will be more competitions like this to follow, of course. And what will follow now? Of course, the jingle. Today it will be without the jungle, I guess, because the same joke repeated twice kind of stops being funny, doesn't it? Unless it is a really, really good joke, which this one definitely isn't. I'm gonna kick off with the expression to be on a single track. We use this expression when we were kind of speculating over uh, the way the people live in London. We were looking at what the people are like. And what are the people like? Well, it's hard to generalize. It shouldn't be done, of course, because everyone is different. But we agreed that there are a lot of people who are there just for themselves. It's due to the fact that London offers a lot of job opportunities and uh, uh, this is just great place for ambitious people. So it is understandable, of course. And uh, Ethan used this phrase that they are on a single track. Now, of course, a track, uh, it's a word which can mean the path that you go along in the athletics. You know, there is like a circle and you have two lines and about one meter for you to run along this track. And there are maybe eight tracks alongside each other. And each runner mustn't cross the line, especially in sprint, if they want to win, they mustn't cross the line or they will be disqualified. So this is what a track is. A track can also be when you have a CD, of course. And uh, a CD, it has, for example, 12 tracks. Each track is a song. Um, I just want to remind to all my students, especially the Czech and Russian students, don't pronounce the word song as song, because there is no k or g sound at the end of this word. It's mm sound, mm, right? It's nasal mm. It's hard to pronounce for some of my students. And they say singer, uh, 
singer is singing a song, and it should be a singer is singing a song, always mm, song, okay? Always, when you have NG in English, in 99% of cases, especially when you have ING, like the gerunds, you know, the ING forms of verbs, it's always pronounced mm, like speaking, listening, writing. Now, of course, I'm talking about RP English, because, as we know, for example, in Cockney or in other dialects, it might actually be K or G. But if you want to speak correct RP English, it should be M sound. So, um, where was I? Uh, yeah, I was talking about the word track. It can also be a verb, actually. Uh, you can track somebody. It means to trace, to stalk, to follow. For example, if you are a dog... Uh, actually, are you dogs? Is any one of you a dog? If you are a dog, could you please let me know? Because... It really is cool if you are a dog, because I have never heard about a dog listening to a podcast. And if this happens, I think I should be recorded in the Guinness World Record book, actually. I should be, because I would be the first podcaster who was listened to by a dog. So, if you are a dog, of course you can trace somebody by sniffing, if you are a good sniffer. Even if you are a human and a good sniffer, which is usually not the case, because dogs, uh, of course, they they have um, better talents for sniffing. Uh, it's one of the basic instincts. Whereas humans, they they can smell. Um, now I don't want to be rude here on my podcast, but okay, let's say they can smell some smelly toilets. Okay. And they can tell the difference between a smelly toilet and a uh, mm, nicely smelling flower or something like this, you know? That's what humans can do. But can they really track... Uh, are they really able to trace or track some people just by the smell? Maybe some women are, but maybe it's because the people use deodorants or some perfumes. I don't know. But usually we can't, come on. You give a person a piece of cloth, a, a t-shirt, maybe sweaty t-shirt from a gym or something, and tell him to find this person in a forest. I don't think he will be able to do it. Whereas if you give this to a dog, he might be able to do this. Because they are, of course, specially trained dogs who are used by the police. And the police, of course, use these dogs to trace or track enemies. So I hope you understand what to be on a single track means. It kind of means that you are there for yourself and you are not a team worker. You want to earn a lot of money. You are a bit greedy person, which is not a good quality, of course, to be greedy. But um, for you, if you want to earn a lot of money, if you have ambitious goals, it's a possible way to live your life, of course. It's up to you what you do. Each to their own. Now, this is deja vu. I think I have done something now that I might call a deja vu, I have actually foreshadowed, listeners, I have foreshadowed what is to come in a few minutes. To foreshadow means to give you some clues. It's usually used in literature as a literary technique. If you are a writer, you may foreshadow what is to come. For example, that somebody is going to die in your story, you can foreshadow by, by a black crow circling round the person or something like that. And it means the readers kind of get the atmosphere, get the feeling that something bad is going to happen. 
No, in this case it's nothing bad, of course. I've just foreshadowed what is to come, because I use some expressions which I, which I want to explain later. So, uh, actually, I will be honest with you, I haven't done this on purpose. It was not deliberate, it's rather a coincidence. And here comes actually one of the expressions which I foreshadowed. The expression is up to somebody. Now, if something is up to somebody, it means if I say it's up to you, what you do. Or sometimes we say even it's down to you. It means it's your decision to make. You can decide what to do. Okay? But uh, actually this phrase up to somebody, uh, it wasn't used in this sense in the recording. There was a phrase go up to somebody and to go up to somebody it means to approach we use this when we were comparing the Czechs and the British and the, the way and how friendly they are and how reserved they are especially how reserved they are we concluded that Czechs are a bit reserved and shy and uh, I think it was Sean who said that if he goes up to somebody, which means if he approaches somebody in the Czech Republic and starts ch speaking Czech to him or her, th these people are usually reserved. They don't respond in a friendly manner. They are usually surprised and don't know what to say or don't want to talk. They are kind of unfriendly. It is not always true, I would say. For example, if you went up to me, I definitely want to speak to you and I might even record you on my podcast. Wow, isn't that great? Yes, it is, which is some, for some people stressful because uh, it's almost like a disease. Whenever I f meet some interesting people, and I get to meet a lot of interesting people because uh, interesting people are attracted by interesting people, of course, right? Haha. Uh, no, I was kidding. I'm not that interesting. Actually, I'm quite boring, you know? So. I hope I'm not. I hope I'm something in the middle at least. But it's not up to me to judge this, of course. So, where was I? Where I was sitting on my chair in my room? No, I meant a different where was I sort of question. Uh, yep, so to go up to somebody means to approach somebody. How often do you approach strangers, by the way? What are your reasons to approach them? I had a disease. When I came back from England, I felt kind of homesick, you know. I mean, I came back to the country I came from, but I was homesick of England. So what I did was, whenever I heard somebody talk English, I basically approached them. I went up to them and started speaking, started chatting with them. To my surprise, most of them wanted to speak to me. So now that I have been here for about eight years, I have been back in my country, I think I have cured myself from this disease. But actually it's a nice disease. It makes me want to talk to people and practice my English. Anyway, um, do you, I wonder, do you have the same problem like I do? Or are you more extra, are you more introverted people who don't want to go up to anyone? It's up to you whether you go up to somebody or not, isn't it? To be honest, uh, I chose this uh, phrase because I know it has more meanings. I have told you two meanings, but it has a third meaning as well. If you have a figure, a mathematical figure, a number of something, uh, you can say up to five people. For example, you are not sure how many people there are at the meeting. You are not sure how many people are listening. 
to my podcast. I am not sure how many people are listening to my podcast. I have got some data, some statistics, but uh, sometimes I don't know how I can read these statistics because maybe some people are just curious and don't listen to the whole podcast episode. I don't really know. Maybe some people just hear my voice and just say, oh my God, not him again. And uh, they just uh, hope next time there will be somebody else. Uh, for example, someone has just sent me a Facebook message, actually. His name is... I will tell you in a while. I'm gonna find it. And this person praised the Sand Girl episode. Uh, apparently, he likes he likes uh, this episode. And uh, I am pretty sure it's not because of me, but it's because of the girl and her voice. Uh, just this guy's name is Gulame Stevenin. I think he's from Switzerland. Gulame, I don't know how to pronounce your name. I'm really sorry. Uh, I want to say hi to you and thank you for praising my podcast. I'm glad you like it and keep listening. I'll be glad if you like my podcast, of course. But I should really get back to what I wanted to tell you because once again I have gone off a tangent here. Yeah, I wanted to tell you that you can use this phrase up to and number if you talk about certain number. Maybe you can say only up to five people listen to my podcast. I hope you understand all three meanings of the phrase up to. Okay? Another expression is defenestration. It actually made me produce a smile on my face when I was listening back to this recording that we did. Um, because there was this Hungarian girl, Flora, who said that uh, we don't like to fight. I mean, we Czech people don't like to fight. We drop people off the windows instead. That's what we call defenestration. It is true that this actually happened in our history. And it made our country famous, apparently, because even the Hungarians know about this, that uh, this was happening here in this country. Yes, it happened twice, and uh, it's kind of means that some of people who wanted to change things especially when they wanted to get rid of people in charge. It's one of the possible ways this was done here in this country. And we call it defenestration. I said that usually when these people were thrown out of windows, they didn't die, actually. They fell to something smelly that we call manure. Basically, it's cow's shit, listeners. Um, yep. So they didn't really die, but uh, I don't think taking a shower would actually help them to to get rid of this terrible smell, which must have preserved for a long time. And I'm sure their wives didn't want to share a bed with them for a long time. Actually, uh, I think that's why important offices are no longer located on the first floor. Only the ground floor is an option here nowadays. It's because of uh, the defenestration historical memory that everybody has. Actually, this is uh, my imagination. I don't think it is true. Anyway, I would like to tell you more about defenestration, but I just think I'm not the right person to do so. I would have to have my cousin here. Uh, you remember Honza, John. Uh, he hasn't spoken on the podcast for quite a while. And um, I think I will have to get him involved in some way, because he misses it already. I know he does. So, yep, if I had Honza here, he would tell you much more. 
as he is an history expert. So that's defenestration, dropping people off windows, kind of a revolutionary uh, method. Another item on my list is the suffix-ish. First of all, what is a suffix? Well, if you look at a word and its structure, you have the root. This is the main part of each word. Sometimes the word is just the suffix. If you say run, it just contains the suffix. But some longer words actually consist of more parts. Uh, the prefixes, uh, the root, and the suffixes. The prefixes are those parts of the words which precede the root. And the suffixes are those parts of the words that follow the root. For example, if you say unbelievable, un is the prefix, belief is the root, and able is the suffix. So, now I want to have a look at the suffix ish. I think it was Ethan who used this expression ish when he was talking about his studies, I think it was, and he used the expression 2008-ish. I don't remember what he was referring to in particular, but I think, I think it was his studies. I think we spoke about... Uh, he spoke about the languages and how much the English are willing to learn languages. And uh, the English guy said that you can actually drop languages. And each of them tried to look back at their own study history and compare it. And I think Ethan said that in 2008-ish he dropped he dropped a uh, foreign language. But I might be wrong. Doesn't really matter. What matters is to explain what it means, actually. When you say it happened in 2008, you are sure that it happened this year. But when you say it happened in 2008-ish, it's kind of a vague information. It suggests that it happened in 2008. Probably it happened this year. But the speaker is uncertain. He doesn't exactly know when it happened. So, it might have been a year later or a year earlier. A question, what time does the train arrive? You can answer, I reckon at 8-ish. Which means it might be at 8.50, it might be 10 past 9, something like this. Or, this, this ish suffix, it's kind of flexible in English language, actually. You can use it to accompany nouns. You can say, this guy is a bit girlish. If a guy, if a person, if a male person is girlish, it means he has some girlish features. He has features of a girl, you know. So, ish suffix basically means to have characteristics of in this uh, meaning. So, it can either mean something vague or having characteristics of. You can say he's boyish or girlish or what time should we meet? Or when do you think, Zdeněk, you will, you will publish the podcast with the Peruvian guy? Oh, I might publish this Saturday-ish. Now, using this word Saturday-ish, I am actually suggesting that I'm not sure when exactly I will publish it. But most likely, it will be on Saturday. Okay? So, I hope you understand what this ish suffix means. And uh, we can get to another expression, which is to cut to the chase or to mess about. Now, we have to have a look at these two expressions together because they were used in the same context, actually. We were discussing the food. Someone raised the question, what do you think about Czech 
check food actually is it good is it bad and it was Ethan who uh, who expressed his opinion he said it cuts to the chase no messing about which basically means the food is simple good and effective you have meat there you have potatoes and some vegetables so it cuts to the chase if something cuts to the chase this phrase is for example used when I go off a tangent, which happens to me a lot, when I start driveling and when I start babbling, it happens on this podcast in particular, doesn't it? Yep. So some, some of you might actually tell me, cut to the chase, Daniek. Don't beat around the bush. Don't go around what you want to say. So it means basically to be kind of single, single-minded. Don't overcomplicate things. So here... Ethan used it when he talked about food, surprisingly, but it has this meaning not to overcomplicate things, just to cut to the chase, speak to the point. And if the food cuts to the chase, it means it's simple and effective and good. Yeah, and the second expression is no messing about. It basically means the same. To mess about means not to do what you are supposed to do, maybe have a bit of fun. But it's slightly, it might be slightly negative. It depends on the context again. I know Luke, Luke from Luke's English Podcast uses this expression to mess about something. It's actually a phrasal verb when he talks about accents. He says, now is the time for me to mess about with some accents. So he, he says, all right, I am from Manchester. Oh, all right, mate. Hello, how you doing, mate? When he messes about with a Cockney accent, for example. Okay, so again, no messing about, Czech cuisine, it's no messing about, it means it's, it's really good and it's, not, it's really serious, seriously good, you know? I don't know if I managed to explain this well, but I hope I did, uh, so yeah. So if something is, has these characteristics, we can, we can use the phrases, it cuts to the chase, or there is no messing about, or it doesn't beat around the bush. There are more expressions of this sort, basically. Okay, the next expression on my list is honesty is the best policy. Now, everybody knows what honesty is. Honesty is if, if people are honest. If they tell the truth, it means they don't lie. They don't basically beat around the bush. They are honest. They are open. No lies. So, it was used by Sean when he said that he had used to drink a lot in his past, actually. And uh, now, this is a bit negative if somebody used to drink a lot, but he wanted to tell us that actually he's a good boy because he's honest. He's telling us what actually happened to him. He used to drink a lot. So, honesty is the best policy. I would say it means that if you are honest in life, you will be rewarded for this. For, for example, your friends will like you because they will always be able to rely on you and uh, you can trust such people who are honest, of course, who are frank and fair to you. So, honesty is the best policy. But the question is, does this really work in life? What do you think, listeners? Maybe some one of you might actually say that the honesty is the worst possible policy. I don't know. It doesn't pay off to lie, I think, in my opinion. For example, if I told you I am a native speaker of English... And some of you happen to believe me, actually. There would be some, of course, who would recognize this lie. And maybe those people would tell 
those trustful people that my accent wasn't actually a native English accent because it, it wasn't polished enough. They would tell the others it would be a shame. It would be a shameful, shameful situation for me because I would let everybody down. You know, nobody would believe me from then on. So I think honesty really is the best policy. Bearing in mind the fact that in life there are some people who take advantage of honesty, of honest people and actually become rich because of this, you know. For example, we have the expression tunneler, tunnelers in the Czech Republic. After the Velvet Revolution, a lot of properties were privatized. The companies, it came to, to private hands. It was divided among people because it used to be centralized. The communism used to control everything. But after the fall of communism, the, when there was a Velvet Revolution, everything was privatized. But this was done in an unprofessional way because the Czech democracy was quite young and inexperienced. There were bad laws. There were holes in laws. By holes in laws, I mean that some people took advantage of some unprecise formulations in laws and actually managed, managed to become very rich doing nothing, just being a li little bit smarter than the others. So this is what we call tunneling. They earned a lot of money in a dishonest way. So sometimes, and these people are rich and they, they have a successful life, you know, because of this. So in this case, honesty wasn't the best policy. In this case, uh, dishonesty or unfairness was the best policy. So it's up to you what your life motto is. If it's honesty is the best policy or honesty is the worst policy. In my opinion, though, it's good to be scrupulous. It's good to be fair. It's good to be honest. It's good to be frank because your friends can trust you and can rely on you. And you might need them in the future, too. So, yep, that's what I think. Another expression is each to their own. Now, this was one of those which I have foreshadowed on this podcast already. This is a phrase that was used by Sean several times. I like this phrase and this was the first time I came across this phrase, so I'm actually quite grateful to Sean that he taught me this expression. When he say each to their own, it basically means it's up to everybody what they do. So, we all have free will, we can all make decisions, we don't have to be forced by others to do it, we don't need to heed somebody's advice, we have freedom of expression, we have freedom of choice, and it's up to you whether you want to listen to the next English podcast or not, it's up to you whether you want to listen to Luke's English podcast or not, it's up to you if you prefer soap operas, for example, to the next English podcast, it's um, really down to you if you want to go mushrooming instead. Because each to their own, listeners. If you want to drink vodka, by all means, do it. But if you want to drink Czech beer, you help Czech economy. So this is preferable for you. But each to their own, it's up to you. You have freedom of choice. But you must listen to the next English podcast. Because this podcast needs listeners. This podcast need, needs you, the people who regularly listen to my podcast. And I'm so happy I have you guys because that's the ultimate purpose of life, in my opinion. To run a podcast, 
have listeners who you look after and uh, reap the benefit of the sense of achievement from it. What I mean is that it makes me proud that I have some people who listen to this podcast, of course. Isn't that human? Isn't that understandable? Uh, come on, it is. Yep. Okay, I'll try to stay humble, Zdeněk, from Zdeněk's English podcast anyway. Don't worry about me. Uh, if I get 10 more listeners, actually, it doesn't make me 10 times arrogant or something like this. No, it won't. It won't. Definitely won't. Uh, you know, because I am already the best podcaster in the Czech Republic, so it won't really make me arrogant. It can't. It can't, you know. My ego is already sky high, you know. Because this is a top-notch podcast. It's a top-drawer podcast. We all know what this is. Okay? And especially because I present you so many wonderful idioms from English language. Even though I'm not a native speaker. Come on, who could do this? Only a very, very good podcaster, right? Yep. I'm glad that you all realize this. <clears throat> I don't want to start hating myself. So I should stop with this. And take it a bit easy, okay? Back to being humble. It suits me more. Okay, here I am. Humble Zdeněk. My podcast sucks. I've made too many mistakes here. And I'm really, really sorry for them. Okay, right. I've calmed down, I guess. Let's hope I have. And we can carry on. Now, another item on my list is Catalyst. And I've just realized that I don't really know why I decided to include this one because it was well explained uh, on the beer session with Hungarians and uh, English episode. I don't understand why I'm including this. It was explained by native speakers themselves. I just think I'll just quickly remind you the catalyst is kind of a substance which helps to speed up reaction and it was used when we talked about... Um, alcohol that I think it was Ethan who said that alcohol was actually a social catalyst that if you drink you can easier make friends you know okay this is catalyst I reckon I might actually need a catalyst at the moment because there are up to six items on my list and I need to speed this up because I have already recorded over 40 minutes of this podcast and it mustn't be too long you know, I don't really want to divide this again. I don't want to step in the same river three times. Because in this case, the three times lucky rule might not really apply. You know, it might bring me some bad luck. And this superstition might actually ruin my podcast. This mustn't happen. So, there are six more expressions. To be prone, to slack, to turn up, to wind somebody up, a whistler... And thanks for having us. Okay, let's do this quickly. A whistler, a whistler is a referee. Okay, to wind somebody up, it actually means to make fun out of somebody. Sometimes, you know, British do this. That's, uh, that's what their sense of humor is based on sometimes. To wind somebody up, to pick on somebody in a way, you know. But usually people with distinctive features are picked on. Or are winded up. I was winded up by British because I came from a foreign country. I couldn't speak their English well. And also because I took everything personally. If you take things personally, if you take what people tell you personally, if you 
get offended easily, if you get insulted on daily basis, then people will wind you up even more. That's um, pure logic. That's what happens. It's an uh, equation which always works, of course. Turn up. If you turn up, you can turn up the music, of course, which means the music will be louder. For example, if you turn up my recording, you will hear it really loud. Now, you haven't turned up anything. It was me, my voice, and I'm really sorry if that scared you. I just wanted to wind you up a bit. Now, unfortunately, the phrasal verbs are not only idiomatic, which basically means that sometimes it is really hard to decipher the meaning just looking at the individual items of the phrasal verbs, uh, because the meaning is not literal. Not only this, but also they have very often multiple meanings, which makes it really harder for learners of English. In this case, the verb turn up was used in the beer session episode when the guys were talking about their friend and they said he might turn up any minute. What they meant was that he might actually join us for uh, a couple of beers. He might arrive. So to turn up means to arrive, to come. Okay, maybe we need a whistler. Uh, actually, if you don't know what a whistler is, uh, if you don't know who a whistler is, I might find a whistle here and try to blow it so that you would get the idea of what it is. But it might take me some time and because this is quite a messy place. It's quite a messy place. Yes, I've got it! Okay. This is a whistle. And I'm blowing the whistle right now. I've just ended a football match. Actually, I should do this at the end of this podcast. Right. So, whistle is the person who does this uh, during a football match, for example. Right. To slack means uh, to fall behind or to be sloppy, not to do things properly. When we were drinking beer, Ethan's uh, alarm clock started buzzing or ringing. Uh, we said that it's telling him actually that he's slacking that no you know why I did that because I wasn't happy with the way I was speaking because I wasn't fluent enough so every time I'm not fluent enough in this podcast every time I stutter every time I say uh, or every time I make a mistake from now on I'll actually do this okay let's try it uh, okay you know what happened? This whistle, it's made of metal, usually. And I have just hit my tooth. I'm glad that I don't have to consult my dentist, because it wasn't too bad, actually. I was a bit simulating. I was diving, listeners. And that's what should be punished by yellow card. The referee, the whistler, should show me a yellow card. Okay? And if I do it again, it will be a red one, and I'll be sent off. Okay. I definitely haven't slacked on this podcast so far because I think we can say actually to slack off as well. I think I definitely haven't slacked off on this podcast so far because I have already recorded 40 minutes of this podcast. Isn't that fantastic, listeners? It is absolutely amazing, isn't it? Okay, which expressions are missing still? To be prone. Okay, I think it was Sean who said that his turtle 
was prone to eat cabbage. Or was it lettuce? I think it was lettuce. It means it likes to eat lettuce. If somebody is prone to something, it means that it's probable for this person to happen. For example, I'm prone to make a lot of mistakes on this podcast because it's very stressful. I'm stressed and I'm not an native speaker. I'm prone to say, uh, when I don't know what to say. And, for example, some dogs eat garlic, you know. Have you heard about that? I have, I have actually seen my dog eat garlic. I, I'm not saying he likes it, but maybe it's because I'm his, his master. He wants to please me, you know. So, he eats anything I give him, basically. So, he ate garlic, and maybe some dogs like garlic, actually. So, you can say, a dog is prone to eat garlic. So, it means um, the person is predisposed or susceptible to or uh, is likely to or he just likes it. Um, it's just typical for this person to do it. Something like this. Okay, to be prone. Alright. And the very last expression, and I'm really glad I've got that far. Isn't that amazing? And actually, listeners, I've done it. I have managed to squeeze this recording into those 90 minutes. I have to say that there are some things I'll have to edit out, but the roughest work has been done, and it's a great achievement. Maybe it will suck a bit, but on the other hand, you might appreciate me trying to set myself this challenge of trying to record without stopping. This is a fluency exercise. It's uh, good for me as a learner of English, as a second language. It's a bit stressful because I know I'm making mistakes, but sometimes we have to praise ourselves. Other people won't do it for you. You have to do it yourself. I am here by praising myself for getting that far, for being able to complete this task. And yeah, okay. And maybe next time I should stop rambling on that much. And maybe next time... It won't be a monologue, because you might already be fed up with my monologues. Next time, I promise, it will be Manuel from Peru, my friend, with whom I recorded a podcast episode in summer. So this is what you can expect next time. And actually, as a podcaster, I'm the boss of this. I am I'm the presenter. I'm in charge. Whoever wants to be on my podcast, they are my guests. And what they say, if they want to be grateful to me for this opportunity I give them, which is wonderful opportunity to, to become famous, of course. If they want to use a polite phrase, they can say, thanks for having me, or thanks for having us. This is exactly what the boys from Hungary and England said at the end of the podcast. They said, thanks for having me, thanks for having us. It actually didn't mean that I was going to eat them, because you can use the verb to have. Uh, if you want to eat, have breakfast, have dinner, have, um, uh, you, can, you can say have chicken, you know, you can say have potatoes. It didn't mean I was going to eat them, it meant they were grateful to me, they were thanking me for giving them such glorious opportunity to become famous, to be on the podcast. Okay, so that's it, that's it for today. I'm a bit exhausted to be honest, I'm knackered and now I have to prepare a lesson for my student, which uh, happens in about an hour. This lesson happens at four-ish, 
Okay, and because honesty is the best policy, I would like to tell you that um, this wasn't really easy for me to do this, and I'm shaking, I'm a bit stressed. Yeah, and to finish this off, I think uh, I will have to do this. Plus uh, the usual uh, jingle, of course. No more messing about. Have a good time. Ta-da!